We know pitching was a big need for the D-backs entering this free agency, so should they go out there and swing for the fences by adding two big starters to their rotation this offseason and then taking a look at some stats from the pitching, from the offense, and seeing where the D-backs need to improve in 2024. You are locked on Diamondbacks, your daily Arizona Diamondbacks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Dimebacks Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You're listening to who? The always charismatic host of this podcast. I'm Miller Thomas. I'm a multimedia journalist and I'm a graphic designer. So please go check out my website, millerthomas24.myportfolio.com. On there, you can see all my latest work from my packages to my articles to my photos and my graphic design. If you want to see more content by me, just follow me on Twitter at CareerThomas24 for my personal account or look up Locked on Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. I've been hosting Locked on Dimebacks since 2020. They're coming off the best season they've had since covering this team. And now they enter arguably the biggest offseason in their franchise history coming off the World Series appearance. And on today's podcast, we'll be talking about some stats from the pitching, the offense that the D-backs need to work on for 2024 but before we get there I actually want to talk about the offseason because we knew entering free agency one big need that the D-backs had was getting another starter for that rotation maybe not someone elite right we would all love a Dylan Cease a Corbin Burns a Blake Snell but I wouldn't say those are needs like the D-backs definitely need another front to mid rotation starter but I don't think it needs to be you know, a true number one ace. When I look at the Frajan class, like if the D-backs went out there and got a Jordan Montgomery, uh, Eduardo Rodriguez, someone that could fit into that number two or three hole in your rotation, then I think that would be a huge win for the D-backs this offseason. They don't have to go out there and get Blake Snell or Dylan Cease, but if you walk away the with a Jordan Montgomery or Erod, I think that's a big win for the Arizona Diamondbacks. But Considering where they are coming off this World Series appearance and seeing the bullpen games, of course, Brandon Fott was really good, but it felt like the D-backs lacked, you know, rotation depth once we got to the postseason. So the question that I have for the listeners, because you guys know I love to pose you questions, should the D-backs go out there and add two starters this offseason? They definitely need to add at least one to be added to that number two or three hole. But should they add two? Should they double up? Should they try to get another guy? What if they went out there and got Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery? Or Jordan Montgomery and Eduardo Rodriguez? Would that be smart by the Arizona Diamondbacks? Of course, they definitely need to add one more top tier or mid-tier starter. But should they add a second one? I don't know about that because... The D-backs, they could get someone that would push Fott back to that number five spot in the rotation, or maybe he's good enough to step up as a number four in case Brandon Fott struggles. Like, who knows? Maybe we try to sign someone that's a number five starter, or maybe someone that's a number four starter in case Brandon Fott struggles. But I do want to say I am definitely pro adding a secondary pitcher because you never no, when it comes to pitching depth, I just don't think I want to break the bank for a second pitcher. What I think I want to do 
is get someone that's good enough to be a frontline rotation starter, like we've talked about, add that Jordan Montgomery or Eduardo Rodriguez, and then on pro, taking a flyer on someone else that could be your number five starter, someone that might have a little bit of upside, but really you might just need there to eat some innings in the regular season. Maybe he can pitch pretty well. And then when you get to the postseason, more of a long reliever type or just someone that you can trust just in case Brandon Fott struggles. That's the only way I'm pro adding a secondary pitcher. I don't think they need to add another dude. I don't think they need to add two dudes making $20 million annually this offseason. But I do think adding extra depth could be important because... We saw the D-backs deal with depth issues last year. We thought entering 2023, starting rotation starting rotation depth might have been the strength of the Arizona Diamondbacks because if you remember, spring training, the hot battle in spring training was who's going to win that number five spot because you had Madison Bumgarner still as your pseudo number one, even though he shouldn't have been. Zach Gallen, Merrill Kelly, Zach Davies all locked in one through four. And then it was like, who was going to be that number five starter? Was it going to be top pitching prospect Brandon Fott? Was it going to be Tommy Henry, who we already saw a little bit on the major league level? Of course, with the Dre Jamisons and the Ryan Nelsons. Like, the D-backs had four pitchers vying for one rotation spot. So, entering last year, you felt really good about the D-backs' depth in that rotation. And then what happened as the year went on? They cut Madison Bumgarner because he sucked. They... Uh, Zach Davies was hurt and he was gone by the end of the year. We lost Tommy Henry to a season ending injury. We lost Dre Jameson to a season ending injury. We lost Ryan Nelson due to the fact that he was not good. We didn't really see him again until the end of the season and he really didn't pitch at all in the postseason. Then Brandon Fott, he was not good in the regular season, did come alive in the postseason, but it's like that's six starters who were not effective, who all got spot starts or were main pieces of the rotation last year. And it's like, when you talk about rotation depth, the D-backs felt like they had 10 dudes entering the season last year. And then by the end of the year, you were like, did the D-backs really just have three starters that they can trust? That was kind of the sad reality of the situation. So now, after learning and going through the experience of the postseason and the regular season last year, I'm like, should the D-backs just add a secondary guy that you feel good about maybe someone that's slightly better than a Zach Davies because I think you have to have someone better than a Zach Davies in your rotation but I don't think it has to be Jordan Montgomery and Erod coming back I would be pro the D-backs adding just someone solid to round out that rotation as much fun as it would be to add both Dylan Cease and a Blake Snell to the rotation I just think that it's just not the smartest thing to do. I think that would be more of a luxury than a need at that point because when you do get to the postseason, we all know those playoffs rotations shrink, right? We saw it for the D-backs because once you get to the NLCS, once you get to the championship series and the World Series, you're only rolling with four starters anyway because that fifth day is always going to go back to your number one starter. And even the first two rounds of the postseason, right? The wild card round, the divisional round, you might not even see your fourth starter because there's not even enough games. The D-backs took care of the Dodgers in a sweep. You didn't, theoretically, you didn't even need to see your fourth starter in that series. So 
For the D-backs, I just think trying to get a second starter that's expensive just doesn't make sense. So I'd rather go a, uh, go with a cheaper option as potentially your fifth starter or maybe your fourth starter, um, depending on how Brandon Fat fares in 2024. So I'm not against adding someone in front of Fat in the rotation or adding someone behind Fat in the rotation. Uh, and also, when you get to the postseason, someone like Fat and whoever this potential starter is, like they can still come out the pen and be effective as as long relievers in the postseason, right? Those first couple of rounds, like whoever this pitcher is, they can still be effective and still be used once we get to the postseason. Maybe they're not a starter, but in case a Gallon or a Kelly gets shelled early, then this potential starter could come out the pen and be super crucial and critical for the D-backs and a big spot in the postseason. So even if this guy is just like your number four, number five starter throughout the regular season, that doesn't mean they can't be a postseason hero once we get to October. And ideally, we saw someone get signed today that I think would have been a perfect candidate to be the D-backs number five starter in the rotation. Someone like Luis Severino, I think is like the perfect kind of flyer for someone to take to fill out your rotation. He's coming off a down season. Health has been a problem for him throughout his career. But we know Severino, super talented guy. And when he's right, he has the upside of being that frontline mid-rotation starter. And there's still other guys on the market that could give you something similar to what a Severino could do. Tyler Motley, he's been a pretty up-and-down player throughout his career, but we've also seen some highs from Tyler Motley where he has been a pretty good starter in his career. He's coming off a season where he wasn't able to finish the year because of injury, only pitched 25 innings, but looked pretty good for the Twins this past year before getting hurt, looked pretty good in 2021 and 2020 as well. So I think someone like Tyler Motley could be a pretty interesting flyer. I think someone like Mike Clevenger, who's coming off a decent season with the Chicago White Sox, could also be pretty interesting as a flyer. Or maybe someone like Wade Miley, former D-back, deals with health issues but over the last three years has like a mid three ERA I think those three guys as your number four number five starter could be really interesting to round out your rotation and then those three guys also seem like perfect long relievers in case you need it break glass in case of emergency once you get to the postseason and even if those guys don't work out let's say you sign someone like a Mike Clevenger or Wade Miley and they are just absolutely horrendous you still have a ton of young pitching that could supplement and replace those old crusty old crusty veterans you still got Tommy Henry and the Ryan Nelson and the Slade Kokonis and the Bryce Jarvis's to fall back on if you really need to I don't think finding a four or five starter is a big need for the D-backs but I think it would be a smart proactive move by the front office if they could pull it off and add some extra depth to the rotation. Now we'll look at some stats from the pitching, from the offense to see where the D-backs need to improve for 2024. But if you think the D-backs are going to have a big 24 and get back to the World Series, then why not put your money where your mouth is and go to FanDuel Sportsbook and place a little wager on the D-backs futures bet because as the weather gets colder, the NFL offers stay hot on FanDuel. 
Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. My favorite thing to do is the same game parlay. Whenever I see the Lakers are playing a bad opponent now, my new thing to do is take AD over on points, rebounds, and Lakers' money line. AD comes alive against terrible opponents, and maybe take the unders on AD when they when the Lakers play like a contender or something. I might have to start doing that. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked on Diamondbacks podcast and look at some stats and look at some areas where the D-backs need to improve in their offense and their pitching. And we're first going to start with their pitching for segment number two. The first thing that the D-backs need to improve from their pitching staff entering next season is limiting the amount of hard contact. This D-backs team surprisingly gave up a lot of hard contact this past season and it was by guys that you may not expect because when you look at Zach Gallon, we all love Zach Gallon. Gallon is a beast he's a stud the way he looked in that elimination game for the D-backs against the Texas Rangers we had like a no-no through six innings I absolutely love the milkman and I pray he delivers a Cy Young next season because Gallon has the Cy Young talent. He just has to do it during the right season. And I swear he's going to get the award one of these years. And hopefully 2024 is that year. But he's not going to do it without cleaning up some stuff. Because Gallon was number one in the National League in exit velocity allowed. And number two in hard hit percentage. These opposing batters. I think it's a lot of the second half stuff with Zach Gallon. But... Gallon did give up a decent amount of home runs this past season, gave up some contact, and it was just too much hard contact allowed by Zach Gallon. A lot of loud outs given up by Zach Gallon this past year, and he's not the only one. Look up Merrill Kelly. He was like number six in exit velocity allowed this past season. So those two guys have to get better in that area, and it's not just those two. The entire pitching staff has to get better in that area because D-backs pitchers were number one in the National League in exit velocity and a hard hit percentage allowed. That is just not good enough. You're going to go against some elite offenses in Major League Baseball, especially in the National League. When you look at the Dodgers, when you look at the Braves, when you look at the Philadelphia Phillies, a team like the Padres offense was down this past year, but they still got boppers in that lineup. Too many dudes that can kill you in the National League. You have to get better against hard contact so you don't get crushed by some of those boppers. They were third in extra base percentage allowed. The slugging percentage allowed was also above league average. When you just look at the power numbers against the D-backs, opposing teams did really good in the power department. So the D-backs really need to do a better job of limiting the hard 
contact. And the reason is because it parlays with my next pillar. The D-backs need to do better. Their pitchers need to do better at limiting runners in scoring position because if you're going to give up hard contact like that, you need to be better with runners in scoring position because the league average with runners, 256 average, 755 OPS. But the D-backs who are runners in scoring position, their pitchers, 280 average, 827 OPS. That is not good enough. 280 average and 827 OPS is an all-star level player. And that's what opposing teams are doing against the D-backs when they have runners in scoring position. When there's a man on second, a man on third, that's what opposing batters are doing. And you parlay that with the fact that these pitchers give up a lot of hard contact. You can see why the D-backs ended the regular season with a negative point differential because opposing teams were coming through repeatedly when they had those scoring chances. And the D-backs were fine when they had their own scoring chances, but it wasn't on the same level. Like the D-backs were slightly below league average with scoring chances in terms of coming through in those opportunities. Meanwhile, the other team was above league average. So when you just compare those two, um, when you compare the duality of those two stats, one team being great with runners in scoring position, one the other team not being that good, you can see how the D-backs ended the season with a negative run differential. In high leverage moments, the league average, OPS allowed, 740, 744. The D-backs, 8.02. The D-backs, when the pressure got larger, their pitchers gave up a higher slugging percentage. They walk guys a lot more. Like The D-backs need to do better when they see men on the bases. And when you look at some of the, the dudes who are really good in that situation last year with runners in scoring position, the guys that were good, the Zach Gallons, the Merrill Kellys, the Ryan Thompsons, the Ginkles, the Seawalts, those guys were good last year at runners in scoring position. So at least gives me a little bit of confidence that the D-backs can improve in this area because a lot of the guys that struggled for the D-backs in this situation I don't think will be returning in 2024, and hopefully they will be getting replaced with some better options so I do think the D-backs could improve in this area a lot entering 2024 then the final pillar from the pitching staff that the D-backs need to improve for next season is they need more strikeout stuff on this pitching staff Mike Hazen tried to add more strikeout stuff this past offseason into the bullpen and unfortunately it didn't work out but I do like the approach and the philosophy Mike Hazen had and I think he should try to do it again for next year. When we look at the returners for the D-backs from the pitching staff entering next year that had a double digit strikeout per nine, Zach Gallen, Kevin Ginkle, and then Scott McGuff and honestly McGuff has a guaranteed contract for next year but I'm not too sure the D-backs are even going to let him play next year pitch out the pen next year just because he was so bad this past year. Yeah, you might be getting paid, but maybe the D-backs still don't even want to play you because of how bad you were coming out the pen in those high leverage situations. So I want to see the D-backs add more high quality strikeout stuff because when you get in those high leverage moments, when there's runners on the bases, when you get in those jams like we saw in the postseason where there could be man on second and third and just one out, those are those situations where you need a big strikeout. When it's bases loaded, no outs, and you're like back against the wall, I need two strikeouts at least to potentially get out of this inning unscathed. 
The D-backs don't have enough people that could do that currently in their rotation, in their bullpen, and I would love to see them add some more strikeout artists this offseason. D-backs below league average and strikeout percentage this past season, so hopefully Mike Hazen in that front office could add some more pitchers with some better strikeout stuff to hopefully help them out in those high leverage situations. Now we'll be talking about where the offense needs to improve for 2024, but first... Did you know Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube? Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering the top sports stories of the day with local experts of Locked On, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe to the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel. All right, all right, all right. Let's get back into the Locked On Dimebacks podcast. If you like the show, follow me on Twitter at careertimes24 for the personal account or look up Locked On Dimebacks on both Twitter and Instagram for the podcast handle. But now let's look at the offense and see where the D-backs need to improve there. The first pillar that the D-backs need to improve on offense, they need to get their power up. We've talked about it a lot on this podcast it's a big concern that I think the D-backs had on their bulletin board entering free agency, add more power in this lineup. They've already started to do it by adding a Eugenio Suarez at third base. He's been a power machine throughout his career, but he can't be the only guy because as it currently stands, all the D-backs did was swap out Lords Gurriel's 24 home runs for Eugenio Suarez's 22 home runs. So, D-backs are going to need to add a couple more boppers on top of Suarez, add a J.D. Martinez to that D.H. spot, add a Lords Gurriel back into left field. D-backs are going to need to do more than just add Suarez if they want their power to improve in 2024 because this was a team elite at the small ball, but not too great at the long ball. Below league average in home runs hit by this team. Like, you go up and down this lineup, It wasn't like this team was full of boppers, right? That's like my favorite word to use for people who hit home runs. Maybe I should say sluggers. Like, got Christian Walker. We know he's a 30 to 40 home run guy. Quetzal Marte showed the power once again with his 25 home runs. Carroll seems like a 25 plus home run guy. So you at least have three dudes. Then you add in Suarez. So that's at least four dudes who you think could potentially get you 25 home runs. But why stop there? Why not add a JD Martinez at your DH who could get you another 25 and a Lords Gurriel as your left fielder who could get you another 20 to 25. Now all of a sudden you might have six dudes that could get you 25 to 30 home runs. Like when you went against that Phillies team, I think that was the most scary thing about that Phillies offense because It'll be Kyle Schwarber, and then it'll be Bryce Harper, and then you got JT Realmuto, and then you got this guy, and you got that guy that could hit a home run, and the D-backs just don't have enough dudes in their lineup that I think scare you like that with the one swing of the bat. So I would like them to do that because they were also below league average in exit velocity and hard hit percentage, below league average and extra base percentage, did the fourth highest ground ball rate. Like they just need to add dudes who have that power, who have that upward, 
you know, swing, that launch angle, because they just too many balls on the ground and not too many ball and they too many balls on the ground and they need a few more balls over the fence. So hopefully the D-backs can add another power bat or two this offseason because I think it's desperately needed. Number two, the D-backs need to get on base more. I know this is like a more general, vague thing to say, but the D-backs did not do a good enough job at getting on base, which is kind of crazy because this was a team that was elite at manufacturing runs, right? This was a team that wasn't afraid to lay down a bunt to get a base hit or, you know, they had all these speedsters. Sometimes Corbin Carroll just needed a ground ball to beat out to get to first base for a single. And even with all these various ways for the D-backs to get a hit, they still were below league average in OBP and walk percentage. Now, that doesn't mean this D-backs team was bad when it came to their quality of plate appearances, right? Because this was a pretty mature team at the plate. This D-backs team was not one that struck out a lot. This D-backs team was one that had a lot of contact, one of the best teams in Major League Baseball at contact rate, at putting the ball in play percentage. Like, this D-backs offense did a lot of good things this past year. Maybe that's a little bit of surprising considering how young this lineup was, right? Their best player, arguably, in their lineup was a rookie. But even with that being said, I thought this team had a very mature approach to how they handled uh, most plate appearances. And a guy like Jerry, Geraldo Perdomo, I thought arguably was the best on the team in terms of his batter's eye and understanding the strike zone. But even with that being said, the D-backs might need to work on just patience. Have a little bit more patience at the plate. I don't mind you swinging early in the count. If it's a pitch you like, it's a pitch you see coming, and you're like, this is mine, I'm taking it right now, I don't mind that. But the D-backs also were below league average in terms of pitches per a plate appearance. So if they were like, you know what, let's see just a couple more pitches per every batter on their team, I don't think that would be the worst strategy. I like a lot of the stats and the numbers I did see from this offense this past year, but I wouldn't mind just a tad more patience from this lineup in 2024. And then the final pillar I want to talk about for this podcast that the D-backs need to improve, shortstop needs to be better for the D-backs next season. Surprisingly, there's been a lot of talk about third base, right? Third base, third base, third base has been a black hole for the D-backs the last couple of years, and all that is true. But did you know, statistically, shortstop was the worst position for the D-backs last season. Their shortstop had a lower average and a lower OPS than third base last year. Shortstop had fewer home runs. Fewer RBIs, like the shortstop position, produce less offense. And Perdomo was really good for the D-backs last year. The best returner that the D-backs are going to have in 2024 um, with runners in scoring position. Of dudes who are coming back to the D-backs next year, Perdomo was the best guy with runners in scoring position. But think about the days when Perdomo wasn't playing shortstop. Who was it? Nick Ahmed? Was it like a Buddy Kennedy? I honestly don't even remember who would play shortstop outside of a Jerry, but that's why shortstop was so bad for the D-backs because whoever is backing up Jerry just wasn't good. When you thought about third base, Longo had his moments at third base. There was like a month and a half period where Emmanuel Rivera was batting like 350 for the D-backs. Perdomo even at times has to play third base. So 
even though third base was awful for the D-backs last year, it still wasn't as bad as shortstop. And so for next year, do the D-backs need to upgrade shortstop? That's a topic we talked about on yesterday's podcast. I don't think they need to, at least this offseason. I want to ride Perdomo until the trade deadline. And then maybe we trade Perdomo for an upgrade at shortstop. Or maybe trade Perdomo for a different position of need. And then Jordan Lawler is the full-time shortstop, depending on how he looks. So as it currently stands, I think the D-backs should just run back their shortstop for 2024. Because I think the market, free agency, trade market, it's just not good right now for shortstops. Like actually, if you look at the league splits this past year, I think shortstop had like a 700 OPS like across the league. Like shortstop right now is a weak position for Major League Baseball. Um, not very, not very much a position of strength across the league. So if you do have a great shortstop, you're probably not going to get rid of that guy. Perdomo, arguably a top half shortstop in Major League Baseball. I mean, when we go off WRC plus, he definitely is. So as it currently stands, I'm probably just riding the same. Perdomo and Lawler for 2024, but those guys definitely have to show more than what they just showed this past season because shortstop was the weakest position for the D-backs in 2023. Now that's it for this edition of the Lockdown Dimebacks podcast. Come back tomorrow for more Dimebacks news coverage insight. Thank you for making Lockdown Dimebacks your first listen every day. And as always, stay safe, stay healthy. Doses.